0: Hello and welcome to Buzz Talks, the most political football podcast in the world. I'm Buzz. And I'm Mike. And of course, today we're going to cover the UEFA Champions League. Uh, there's a couple of things that we'll talk about today. We're going to be analysing the matches between Atletico Madrid and RB Leipzig, as well as FC Barcelona, and how they were dismantled by Bayern Munich. After that, we'll continue to discuss further FC Barcelona's uh, problems and what they should do to fix them because Mike is a big Barcelona fan and he has a lot to pull out after that very, very uh, humiliating defeat. But before we start, of course, we've got to promote our social media links. Mike?
1: So um, BuzzTalks are on a couple of social media platforms. We're on We're on WordPress. You can go to buzztalks.wordpress.com uh, on Instagram, we're um, our handle is BuzzTalks. On Twitter, it's BuzzTalks Mike M I C at the end, and we're also on Spotify, where you can get this uh, and listen to this podcast. Um, we'd really love it if you can share it with at least one friend, and uh, thank you. I hope you adjo- you enjoyed the episode.
0: Right. just to recap, uh, the scores for the UEFA Champions League game, which I'm sure you would know by now, RB Leipzig beat Atletico Madrid 2-1, which is a big surprise. And of course, the big, big topic that we'll talk about is Bayern Munich beating Barcelona 8-2. But uh, Mike, before we start with the... Uh, Uh, coverage of the games uh, uh, I'll just like you to note uh, picking up from last week uh, we have some stats uh, that I managed to see on our uh, page here there are three countries listening to us uh, of our listeners from episode two Singapore Singapore. United States and Malaysia hello friends from Malaysia and the United States Uh, Mike you'll be really surprised uh can you guess how many listeners, uh, how many people from United States in percentage were listening to us?
1: 90%.
0: No, no. It's not 90. It's not that high. You were you were quite optimistic about not sharing it. But 17% of our listeners from the United States, uh, are from the United States, uh, from this 70%, we like to thank people from Ohio, California, and... Texas. Hi guys, we hope you enjoy the show, uh, and
1: we hope you enjoy you the show. You guys have nothing to do. <laughs> Don't be mean to our listeners, They're listening to this podcast, for God's sake. <laughs>
0: hey, it, means, it means that they, they think we have uh, good points to share, alright?
1: Either that or they're drunk and they just want to listen to shit while they sleep. <laughs>
0: Okay, uh, enough banter. We'll straight away go into the RB Leipzig and Atletico Madrid match. Uh, one that I'm really sad about but uh, because Atletico went out. Though it's not a surprise if you actually watch the game, which I did. was really, really amazing. Uh few people that actually uh, stood out. One is, is, of course, the manager, uh, Julian Nagelsmann. Uh, And of course, Danny Olmo and Sabitzer, that Mike was uh, correctly highlighted in our previous podcast. They were real stars of the show. Uh, Sabitzer was just pulling the strings. Danny Olmo uh, for that second goal. And of course, in defense, Diod Upamikano. Right, so the few things that I want to talk about for this game. Uh, First one would be RB Leipzig actually took the initiative that was offered to them by Atletico Madrid, you know, from the start. It just took three minutes and and you can see that RB Leipzig were able to move the ball quickly, shift the ball around, and and pull Atletico Madrid out of their defensive uh, solid unit that they've been known for. This was quite amazing to watch because if you see carefully, whenever Leipzig are in attack, they switch from are uh, well their listed starting formation was a 3 3 3 1 but when they play uh, in attack when when they're attacking they are in a 3 1 5 1 formation which is honestly something that i think is very difficult to do uh, and because of this they outnumbered atletico madrid in their standard 4 4 2 setup uh, a variation of 4 four four two. I wouldn't say it's a four four two. 4 throughout the game, but they out- outnumbered the defence. Uh, Leipzig outnumbered the midfield and in attack, Diego Costa, starting with uh, Marcos Llorente, was, I think, a poor choice considering you had the faster uh, options in Alvaro Marata or João Felix and, of course, Thomas Lamar because in the first half, any good options or any good uh, play came from Yannick Carrasco on the left-hand side. Uh, and I think the best one was when he linked up with uh, Renan Lodi uh, for a 1-2 and had that one opportunity on goal that was uh, covered in, uh, in the near post. And again, you can see this when... Leipzig got their second goal through Tyler Adams. It was a very deep, big deflection off of Savage. But the way Tyler Adams managed to find himself uh, in space, just outside the box, with no midfielders marking him, was absolutely amazing to watch. Uh, Especially when Leipzig won the ball, got it to Sabitzer, and who had Angelino, uh, his on loan from. Manchester City marauding throughout the entire game. He found Angelino out wide and Angelino calmly cut the ball back and Tyler Adams took his shot. Yeah, and I think it's, it's something that really cost them, considering that Atletico Madrid were expected to progress to the next round because they got the experience. What do you think, Mike?
1: Yeah. Uh, RB Leipzig, RB Leipzig we're, were really, really good. Um what what do you think what what surprised you the most about RB Leipzig?
0: I think the most surprising one is that even without Timo Werner they had a lot to offer going forward. Uh and the substitutions that Nagelsmann made actually turned the uh, the game back in their favor. Uh initially uh when they scored that first goal very early on in the first half uh in the second half sorry it was it was, going ag- uh, it was all their way. And then Simeone made a change by bringing on Zhao uh, Felix on the 58th minute who instantly made an impact by providing uh, more options and providing better penetrative runs. And you you do wonder why Felix is not starting. But at the same time, I can understand why uh, Simeone would revert back to his more defensive tactics because... Clearly, from the way that this Leipzig team can transition in attack and in defense, in terms of uh, a tactical formation, it was it was really understandable why uh, Simeone went on on his preset nature of being defensive.
1: Okay, you, you you talk a lot about Felix and how he made a difference in the fifty eight minute. What did what did Simeone do wrong? Do you think did, should should he have started Felix from the start?
0: I think he should have started Felix but again it would go against Simeone's uh, I would think uh, it is his default nature to to be b- more pragmatic to not concede because it would be harder for you uh, to go forward. But uh, well hindsight is 2020 you can see how Atletico were more dangerous when Chao Felix came on, when uh, Morata came on. And it's, it's, yeah, I mean, there'll be critics who say that Simeone's style is outdated and, you know, there's no place in football uh, going forward. But we must not forget that this team is a team in transition. But a team in transition will only uh, work out if the manager is willing to change and I think that's something that Simeone has to add to his uh, coaching skill sets is to change from just being solid at the back to releasing the shackles and and attacking uh, attacking the uh, you know taking the initiative because he has a team that's built for that you know especially when they brought back Yannick Carrasco. And also, uh, now that they have João Felix, the dude is a good focal point, even though he's young. So I, I think he, Simeone, along with his team, he'll need to ensure that he keeps his, his unit together and he evolves as a manager. Uh, and maybe a change that I would make would be uh, to not play... Hector Herrera, uh, Koke uh, and Saul in the middle because Koke is not the speediest of winger. Uh, I would have put Thomas Partey. I think he provides a more uh, specialised defensive uh, option and taking out Vitolo uh, on the right. I I, I understand why uh, Koke is playing on the out wide is because uh, their usual option, Uh, Angel Correa is unavailable, he was down with a virus, and that might have changed his game plan a bit.
1: Yeah, I think Thomas Lamar was injured, I think.
0: Thomas Lamar wasn't injured, he, he was on the bench, but he might have been coming back from, in, uh, from an in injury. Yeah. I mean, this, this is all easy to make analysis after, because during the game, I think it looked pretty solid, pretty cagey, but... I I wouldn't say that Atletico were in control, for sure. For that first half and up until the first goal, Leipzig were in control of the match, and it looked like a matter of time before they actually got the goal. And true enough, they got the goal on the forty-eight minute, I think, oh, on the fifty-first minute. Sorry.
1: Yeah, no, no, sorry. I I didn't mean I didn't mean to say Thomas Lemar. I meant to say Thomas Partey. I think he was injured. That's why. Ah, okay, okay. That's why he wasn't playing because, I think he's a. I think he's he's the best mid- midfielder Atletico Madrid has and I think they really missed him. Yeah. Especially his ability to progress the ball forward.
0: Yeah, he, he's a key defensive uh, midfielder in, in, in that team and allows people like Saul and Koke to, to, you know, focus more on the attacking side of the game.
1: When you said that Diego Simeone has to change, it reminds me of what Jurgen Klopp... Used to say how he prefers to to press the team that that you know that plays a lot of possession football rather than just wait for them to lose the ball and then counter attack. You know, yeah. I feel like uh, Simeone should uh, should start pressing more aggressively against teams who who, are, who really uh, like to keep the ball for long times, so like Leipzig and Barcelona, etc., etc.
0: Yeah, I do think that. Uh, I wouldn't say that there's no future for uh, Diego Simeone's uh, preferred defensive option or defensive tactics uh, moving forward. But I do think that he has the ability of learning an attacking side attacking side, or at- adding an uh, attacking facet to his game. I mean, he has been at the club since 2012 and it's been a good eight years that he has brought the club all the way up to where they are now. And I don't see anybody else that can come in and change that because Atletico Madrid's defensive aspect is not something that can be easily replicated. But if Simeone can uh, marry that with a more attacking mindset, I I think it would be good for for Atletico Madrid. Uh, And of course, the purchases that they can make to add to the team uh, and maybe change a bit more of the dynamics would allow for... Atlético Madrid to have more options going forward
1: okay interesting so you think Diego Simeone should stay in the club because I I hear a lot of people were saying that uh you know his time is up I think
0: his time is up in a sense that he should have refreshed his squad a few years ago and I think they went through a major overhaul where they lost a giant spine of or rather a big portion of the squad that made him uh, an Atletico Madrid are uh, uh, People like, uh, what's, oh shoot, what's the defender's name? Diego Godin. Yeah, Diego Godin's left. Yes. Uh, Felipe Luis has left. And they've added Lodi, uh, Savage and uh, Jose Maria Jimenez are all uh, trying to step up into that into that role. And of course, having someone like Xiao Felix and then you, you losing Uh, Antoine Griezmann, it it changes the dynamics of the team. So it will take some time for him to adjust and we'll see whether he can accommodate a talented player like uh, Shao Felix. I mean, people would say that Simeone may not be the best person to nurture uh, Felix's talents, but hey, he did make Antoine Griezmann who, who he was.
1: True, true, true.
0: Yeah, so I think from that game, other than Atletico Madrid and, of course, RB Leipzig's uh, fantastic play, I think people should also uh, take a look at uh, Diot Upamecano, uh, the Leipzig centre-back. A lot of teams are looking for very good centre-backs and centre-backs are a premium because I think these days, a lot of the players are focused on the attacking side of the game and not the defensive side of the game. So, Upamecano will be up for grabs and I think he has a I believe he has a 42 million release clause that will be able to be activated in
1: 2021
0: yep yeah and uh, Julian Nagelsmann will be a manager for everybody to watch it's a bit uh, of a long shot but I think he will be the perfect manager to replace uh, Jurgen Klopp
1: actually I think he's a good manager to either replace Jurgen Klopp or Pep yeah when they leave their clubs yeah for sure okay very
0: interesting yeah, that's my coverage of the game. Anything else that you think? I mean, you watched the highlights too.
1: Yeah, I I watched the game actually. Yeah, very. It's very interesting to me how bold Nagelsmann was playing. How he set up the team to really dominate possession and take advantage of the of the wings yeah. and and really attack Atletico Madrid's weaknesses. It is really very impressive to me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I really do hope that Simeone can do something about it. And, I mean, now we just look forward to the next game. And this sets up another epic clash between PSG and RB Leipzig because that will be master mid-student. Thomas Tuchel was Julian Eggelsmann's master in, in the coaching aspect. So
1: Yeah, um, actually, when when Thomas Tuchel was, was starting at uh, Augsburg... Yeah, Julian Nagelsmann was one of his players. Thomas Tuchel was the one who who encouraged Julian Nagelsmann to to start coaching, right? Um, he Thomas Tuchel would actually ask uh, Julian Nagelsmann to scout the teams, and and Nagelsmann would come back with de- with very detailed uh, scouting reports for for Thomas Tuchel. So Thomas Tuchel is really a person who's very crucial to Nagelsmann development. And it'll be very, very interesting how their reunion is going to go.
0: Yeah, a, a game to watch. Yeah, I think it might have been different if this was a two-league match. But that's all we wrote for this season. And I'll end it here because Mike has been looking so you know, excited to talk about Bayern Munich 8. Barcelona too but before that we'll take a a little break and when you come back we'll talk about Bayern Munich and Barcelona
1: what's up guys um now I'd like to talk about the destruction of Barcelona (laughs) by Bayern Munich Mike uh Um, you have (laughs)
0: tissues really You, you you're not gonna start crying again right
1: it was such
0: a crazy game, right? Yeah, it was insane. I mean, I watched the game. Uh, and yeah. Mostly the highlights, but you you can see the transition. and and we'll, we'll talk about this more at the end because there's that video about uh Messi in the changing room that's going on. Uh, I want to get your viewpoints on that. But before we get to the fun part of dissecting this, we'll get to the even more fun part of... Watching Mike having to explain what went wrong and his thoughts on the game. After you, Mike, take it away. Okay, thanks, man. Um.
1: Okay, before before I talked about the match, I want to talk about um Barcelona specifically because um they have a lot of issues that uh, Bayern Munich was able were able to really take advantage of. Okay, so. So the thing with Barcelona is that they have an aging squad. Mm. Messi, Suarez, Vidal, Piquet, Alba, Busquets. They are, these are uh, players that are always in the first 11, but they're in their early 30s already. Um, you know, they are slower, they have less energy, and because of that, Barcelona don't press properly. They, they don't apply pressure to you know the opposing players enough and if you have a good technical skill, you can easily bypass their pressing. This team also don't have any good runners. Okay, no one runs with pace in behind the defense. Vidal and Griezmann, they they, they do run, but they're not really fast, so they can't. They don't. Um, they can't stretch and threaten the backline of the opposing team. And. They also don't have any natural wingers. When Neymar left, they tried to bring in Bus- uh, Dembele to, to replace him, but Dembele has been injured for so long, You know, the, the Barca squad di- has not improved on, in this area at all. The Barca don't have any width, and they don't have any depth. They can't threaten the opposing defense in behind. OK, mm. because of this, they run into a lot of problems. OK, so when a normal team uh, retreats into a deep block, for example, like Atletico Madrid, yeah. Barcelona yeah. find it very hard to break that block because they don't have any way to stretch the defense. Because there's no wingers, you can't force the, the fullbacks to leave their narrow positions to, to defend, to guard those To guard those wingers which gives the midfielders and and forwards uh space to be to be creative Valverde and Setien as a result like to play their fullbacks very very high Semedo and Alba usually like to play very very high but the problem is they're not really that good either Alba is not as sharp as he used to be and Semedo is just a very average player and because the, those fullbacks are so high, there is a lot of space to take advantage in behind them. So uh, if you if you were to watch that the game between Barcelona and Atletico Madrid, Atletico Madrid would always target the space in behind Semedo because there is really no one guarding that space. And so to beat uh, deep blocks, Lionel Messi, you know, he's a genius... He, he's very, very good at tight spaces, but he struggles to, to create good chances. Of course, you, you you can't stop Messi for 90 minutes, so really Barcelona are really rely on those instances where Messi can really create something out of nothing. So they have a lot of trouble to get, uh, against deep blocks, and they also have... A lot of trouble against the top teams because it, because uh, the top teams have the perfect strategy to to beat Barcelona mm. because Barcelona don't have any pace up front. The team a team can press Barca really really high and just suffocate their build up. You can you can target the midfield the central midfielders and the fullbacks to stop them from advancing the ball. And to force them into long balls, yeah, that, for example.
0: That, that's what I mean. that cause, uh, Test to lose the ball cheaply and very close to his goal. I think that was one of the yeah. goals that, that that was scored from that exactly the situation that you just said.
1: Yeah, I think the first goal was because of that. Yeah, they lost the ball in the. Well, it's it's a lot. It's it's a lot of the goals really. But yeah, they Barcelona lost a lot. Lost the ball in their own half because they were pressed so aggressively by Bayern Munich. Once Barca lose the ball, the team can counter-press effectively and take advantage of the openings in Barca's defense. Okay, Three years ago, that's what Roma did. Last year, that's what Liverpool did. And this is what Bayern did to Barca. Okay, they pressed really, really high. Alaba and Boateng were... We're all, we're almost at the center circle um Nabri and Perisic would press uh, very narrowly and press the midfielders yeah whenever they, they lost the ball you know they could re- they could quickly get it to Thomas Mueller who was who was really outstanding during the game he he really drove the attack against uh, Barcelona Frankie De Jong, you know, is is a is a is a midfielder that is as press resistant as anyone, but he really really struggled. And so when every time Bayern got the ball, they were absolutely you know spellbinding. the the front four of Nabry, Perisic, Lewandowski, and Mueller would would change and interchange positions, and really just tore the back line apart. Yeah, right. um, yeah. That was insane. Whenever Bayern would play from the back, because of the age of Messi and Suarez, they couldn't press them properly. So they were they were they were really bypassing Barcelona's press very very easily. If you remember Nabri's goal, they were able to to get the ball to Thiago, who got it to Lewandowski, who just did this overpass this eye pass for Navri to just score. It yeah. was it was great. Bayern's strengths are exactly Barca's weaknesses. They have pace. They have width. So it's it's almost as if Bayern was created to really take advantage this of this Barca team. Mm. So yeah, Barca did not have a chance at all. They even they even they even could afford to take out uh Gnabry early in the game to bring in Coutinho, right? And he got two goals and an assist. And so. It was a really, really bad night for Barcelona and um, Bayern. Are, are after this performance, you can't say anything but that, but that, but say that they're really the best team in Europe right now, and most likely they're gonna win the Champions League.
0: Yeah, they they really look like the most solid of the four remaining and, and remaining in the Champions League. I don't see how anybody else can beat Bayern at the moment. It it'll be hard. It, it wouldn't be impossible. Uh, and just to remind our listeners, it'll be Leipzig against PSG on 19 August. Olympic Leones will take on Barca, Uh, sorry, not Barcelona. Uh, Bayern Munich on 20th August, and the finals will be played on 24th August. Yep. Uh, and finals will be played at, in Singapore it will be on 24th august monday morning at 3 am at estadio de luz and that should be sunday afternoon at 3 pm for those of us watching in from in the yeah <laughs> unlike uh, yeah. what mike said what what you say is is quite on point with the uh, with what i saw you saw you know you, you're pretty observant and, and, you know, you know your stuff, Mike. Maybe you should be working for ESPN.
1: Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> you, you remind me of a pundit. Uh, What is his name? He's so brilliant. Uh, Michael Owen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you, thank
0: you. Okay, before we wrap up on this section about Barca and Bayern Munich, I actually want to ask you, how do you think it would have played out if there was a second leg?
1: It would have it been another 8-2. <laughs> Had it
0: been a normal season, do you think it would have yeah. been out differently considering that we, we are in, in COVID measures and if it were a second leg, if, if there was a second leg, sorry, to, to, to come in, I think traditionally it's two weeks after the 1st first, first meetup, first leg, yeah, the first leg. What do you think Barcelona would do
1: it's hard to say. Um, yeah,
0: this, this is all like hypothetical because we we will never know what will happen. But if let's say uh eight two, what what do you think they would? How would they prepare for that uh, second leg?
1: I think maybe maybe they would have um, played the, because the some of the youngsters more maybe. Yeah. Um, because if maybe I, they if, could have taken I out Suarez for Fatih. But who knows? Here. God. That
0: eight-two scoreline was eight away goals for Bayern Munich. Yeah, that's an insane amount of uh, and we know how critical eight goals are. So yeah, you were saying maybe play the youngsters.
1: Maybe play the youngsters. Um, try to try to patch up the flaws that Barcelona have, but there are too many problems to to just fix in two. You know, in in a month or in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, so I, I just don't see I just don't see what Barca could have done to beat Bayern. It's impossible.
0: Okay, right. And with that, that caps our coverage of the UEFA Champions League quarterfinal. The other two games, as we know, PSG beating Atlanta 2-1. Two late goals from PSG and Olympic Lyon. Uh,
1: Leones. Leon.
0: Olympic Leon. I thought that's how how you pronounce it Olympic Leones. Uh, that's how the French do it, right? I was trying to. I have no idea. I, dude. I, I I've I've picked this up from Frank Leboeuf, cause you know <laughs> they are two of my favorite uh pundits or, or sports analysts, Frank Leboeuf and Julian Laurent. So you know, I'm I'm name dropping in hopes that you know somebody takes them.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> then they listen. Please to... don't. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, where Leon beat. Man City 3-1 uh, through uh, 2 Dembele and 1 cornet goal yeah, yeah Musa I'm, I'm uh, Dembele I think is one of
1: the is one of the most electric youngsters right now and because
0: of this very historic uh, defeat that Barcelona were handed uh, in our next segment uh, after we take a short uh, break we'll hear more of Mike pouring out his soul uh, <laughs> on what he thinks should happen and how they move on from here So, stay tuned. Alright. This is our final segment on Barstox for this episode as we cover the UEFA Champions League. And of course, we are going to continue talking about that annihilation that Barcelona received. And because... Mike is such a fanboy. We're going to give him a bit more time to talk about it. You know, his heart's a little broken. So, Mike, <laughs> Barcelona are obviously in a crisis. I believe that the reports are that the manager that they hire, Kike Setien, has been fired or is going to be fired. What do you think they
1: should do? Uh, Yeah, so they fired uh, Setien. There are also talks that they're going to sell 17 players, Whoa. Uh, including Umititi, Alba, and Suarez, and according to these reports, okay, uh, they said they, they want to keep Messi, Longley, De Jong, and Ter Stegen, okay? Okay. Uh, if that's true, I think that's a good direction for them to take. They, they have to pretty much change half of the team to be competitive again, but fortunately, I think they have a good number of talent at Barca B right now. That could be potentially first-team uh, material. Okay,
0: but before we go to uh, talking about these youngsters, because there are a few that have been quite standout this season, don't Barcelona have the issue of the presidential election that's coming up?
1: Barca, um, every couple of years, they, go th- they, they elect a new president. Yeah. And the next election is supposed to happen um, after the 2021 season. Mm. So that's one year from now. Bartomeu, the current president, can cannot run anymore. So there's going to be a new president. But there are already uh, shouts asking Bartomeu to resign and to have early re- elections. But I I don't think that's going to happen. I don't see I don't see Bartomeu uh, leaving early. I think he's gonna I think he's gonna stay. Okay. And of course now
0: gonna talk about the youngsters and nobody's better placed at, in the amateur world at least to talk about Barcelona's youngsters than the fanboy himself
1: all right list it up man who you got okay so obviously we got Ricky Puch and Ansu Fatih. Oh, um yes. you know they're very they're very talented youngsters Fatih is a winger who can cut in from the left to score uh, And Ricky Puch is a midfielder in the in the Iniesta mold you know, he, he operates in the left half space and he's very good at, at progressing the ball. Yeah. Um, but think, other than that, there are, there are also other uh, youngsters from Barca B that are very talented. I, I think um, one of the, them... The two yeah, go you, ahead.
0: The, the two that you've mentioned, uh, Ansu Fati and Ricky Push, not only have they been, you know, rightly talked about, rightly hyped, they also have shown in the... The games that they've played, especially uh, I think Ansu Fati, he has made key contributions in turning over a game and he's forming a good partnership with, with Messi and to a certain extent, Antoine Griezmann. Ricky, yeah. which I think uh, like you said, he he plays in that uh, Iniesta kind of role. I mean, nobody can be an Iniesta, but he has that ability to you know dictate the pace, uh, find good passes. And key passes in uh, dangerous areas and keep the ball flowing. I think I think that's key going forward in in this Barcelona rebuild.
1: Yeah, um, you know, if 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 you watch the the game against Atletico, he was really one of the standout performers. He was he was operating next to the double pivot, and he was still able to to really stand out in the in that game. So I think he's one of the exciting talents that Barcelona can can put in their squad. But um, there are also a couple of other talents that are playing at Barca v right now. The first one is uh, Monchu. He's a right central midfielder. He's a more complete uh, physical player than, than, than Ricky Puch. Uh, he can make runs from deep and score goals. He was actually Ricky's partner in... Uh, Central midfield when they were in Barca B, and then there's another one, Alex Collado. He can play as a right central midfielder or as a right winger. And Garcia Garcia Pimienta, the Barca B coach, actually placed him in the in the right wing role, moved him from midfield, and he's really been really really good at that role. So if you know if if they want to to find someone who can play in the wings. Colado is definitely a good option. Okay. Uh, and then there's also the center back uh, R- Ronald Araujo. He's actually been playing since the restart. He's been playing as a backup for Longley and PK, and he's been he's been very good every time he's had to play. And I think he'll be a solid option for Parsa.
0: What what is his he's, he's
1: you know, he's, he's a typical uh, uh, ball-playing centre-back. He's got pace. He's very technical on the ball and he's strong in the air. Barca like to play a high line. Mm-hmm. You know, you need someone with pace to be able to, to deal with the counter-attacks. And also, when you're playing from the back, you need someone who is very good with the ball and make forward passes to the midfielders. Okay. Who else do we have? Um, we also got a couple of talents um that are out on loan for example we got to debo he was playing for schalke he didn't do too well but i think he was he's a he's a talented player and maybe if he was in the right system he'd play a bit better okay we also have carlos alenia who, who plays across the midfield either as a left central midfielder right central midfield and he's also a very talented midfielder he could when he was at Barca B, he could even play like a second striker and he scored a l- quite frequently for Barca B. So, if, if Barcelona have the option of someone who can score goals from the centre through the, through midfield runs, okay?
0: Yeah, uh, uh, I have a for Carlos Alina. Uh, because I got him on my FIFA 20 uh, career mode, <laughs> I got him on a cheap for like I think 5 million. He wasn't in my starting 11 because my team is just too good.
1: Uh,
0: we had key youngsters like Kang in Lee and Ricky Push. Uh, so there was no space for Alenia. Uh, I loaned him off to Bayern Munich for two seasons where he scored Oh, <laughs> uh, I, ultimately, I sold him off, but yeah, uh, I'm supporting you in saying that uh, Aliania will be a key player uh, if based on my FIFA 20 career mode experience.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> all, right. all, all these players, oh. except for uh, Colado, they're all se- se- uh, centre-mids and centre-backs. Didn't you say that they need wingers uh, other than Ansu Fati? Uh, who else do... Uh, the famous uh, la masia if i pronounce that right uh, have in their in their ranks
1: so actually actually uh, they, they have some some good players but they're still a little bit too raw to play for the first team okay um but Bar- barcelona actually bought two two youngsters from the portuguese league and they're actually so the two youngsters are Pedri and Trincao. Oh, yeah. And they're supposed to, to join the first team after this season ends. Okay. One of them is uh, Pedri. He can play on the left wing. And he's more of an orthodox winger. He, uh, he's got pace to run in behind. So that's definitely a very useful quality uh, to have for Barca. Mm-mm. And then you have uh, Trincao. He's uh he's a winger but he's more like uh, Bernardo Silva? Ah, um, I think that, he's not he's not he, he, a winger. Yeah, he he doesn't have he doesn't have he's not very fast but he's quick and he's comfortable with the ball and he's very good at creating and scoring goals. Okay. So when, in the in the Portuguese league he actually got player of the month for for two or three months, I think, and and you're and yeah, he was he was one of the best players in that league.
0: Okay, of course, when we're talking about wingers, Mike, we cannot put aside Usmane Dembélé. What happened to him? What do you think?
1: So Usmane Dembélé has been injured for a long time. There are there are some rumors that uh, they also want to sell him, but in my opinion, I don't think so. I think when he's when he's playing, I think he's the best player on the he's the best winger that Barcelona have and I think you know I think I think they should keep him and give him a chance but I think the next manager has to be careful of the the workload that he's given and they have to manage his 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 injuries very very carefully so that he doesn't break down again
0: all right uh funny that you mentioned the next manager because uh, with all this talk of Kike Setien going to be dismissed, as we mentioned earlier, who you think should be Barcelona's next manager? I mean, there's a few that's available on the market. We have uh, Allegri, Massim- uh, Massimiliano Allegri, uh, of course, Mauricio Pochettino. I think yeah. Ronald Koeman is also available. And uh, oh. I-, I think there's a few more. I think one more, Thierry Henry uh, would... Only be a good Barcelona manager or uh, the last one is of course Xavi Xavi uh, Hernandez that uh, everybody's been wanting to
1: come back and there were rumours about it who do you think? So Xavi I don't think will come back he doesn't I don't think uh, he wants to play under the current president Bartomeu mm. um, Xavi has been publicly critical of Bartomeu's leadership as the president so I think he's gonna wait for the next president to come in before he he takes a job as the as the Barcelona manager. So it's probably not gonna be asked. Thierry Henry, I think, is a is a rule. I think those they're not very credible. You know, he just got a job uh, playing here for the M- uh, as a manager for the ML- at, at for an MLS team in Montreal. So I don't think he's gonna leave that job. Uh, Ronald Koeman is the current Dutch national coach, and he's also he's been very public uh, with his intentions. He wants to he wants to he does want to manage Barca someday, but he's he's committed to the to the Dutch national national team for now. Massimiliano Allegri and Pochettino are good managers, but I think um, Allegri is just his philosophy is very different from what. From how Barcelona play. So I don't think he'll be a match. I think Pochettino is a very smart manager. And if Bartomeu can get him. You know. I think that would be good, good for Barcelona.
0: Yeah,
1: but it um, will also be very
0: controversial. Because uh, Pochettino did say that he will not want. To message, uh, uh, manage Barcelona. Not message. Uh, manage Barcelona. Because he used to be. The manager of espanol i think if, if i got my sources right
1: true yes he was manager of espanol
0: and they're a big rival he has of barcelona.
1: yeah he he has said that before that he would never that he would never manage barcelona but i think there are rumors saying that you know he's more open to the job now <laughs> So who knows? I can see see why. And also, I think um, there's actually another manager, a good manager, I think, who is that that maybe Barcelona should look into. And that's uh, Mauricio Sarri, who just got fired by Juventus. They can keep Sarri for a year. I think uh, he could be a good manager for Barcelona. He's very experienced working with youth. He, he understands the Barca ideas because his philosophy, you know, borrows a lot from Barcelona's ideas. And he's also very diplomatic and uh, less confrontational than Setien was, for example. So I think for a year, maybe, I think Sari could do a good job just to steady the ship a little bit.
0: Okay, so uh, Pochettino will be the manager that will come in, most likely.
1: I think so. But
0: Sari will be a
1: good alternative. No, yeah. Sari I think could be a good alternative. I mean, he doesn't have to be a genius, you know. The rebuild the rebuild of Barcelona is a long term project. Yeah. So if if Sari has you know has the time to steady the ship, then we can be the team can be more successful in later years because i think short term success that should not be the objective it should be long term success and changing the guard really that should be the goal rather than trying to win the la liga or in, in, in the champions league yeah
0: okay yeah so with that i think uh we'll wrap it up here mike has gotten a lot off his chest. Hopefully, it has helped him recover from his trauma. So, this is a bus Talks uh, along with uh, some slight therapy. Uh, And just to recap, we'll be be covering the UEFA Champions League all the way up until the finals. So, the next two games happening on the 19th and 20th of August. We'll talk about it in our next podcast. And with that, we'd like to remind you to follow us on the social media platforms uh, we are on wordpress bustalks.wordpress.com we have our immediate uh, posts that we put uh, after we, we watch the game we'll try to get that up as quickly as possible you can follow us on instagram just find us at Talks. that's B A Z T A L K S. our twitter twitter handle Talks mike that's Talks with m-i-c at the back and of course if you're listening to us we're already on Spotify. We'd love it if you can share it with at least one friend. Uh, like, share and subscribe. And we really thank you for your time in this episode and we hope you join us in the next episode. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks from Mike. Thanks from me. Uh, take care. Stay safe. Stay tuned to Bus Talks.